Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show to make data your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. We're going to take a turn. We're going to change it up a little bit. All right. We're not diving into data science today. We're not diving into, uh, I guess this is going to be a part of data management. I'll let, I'll let the, the expert uh, uh, be able to help us out with that. But uh, we're not going to talk about the supervisor and supervised learning, right? We're not talking about um, uh, specifically data science, but we're, we're going to dive a little bit deeper. We're going to look a little bit deeper into data analytics as well. We're going to talk about data warehousing. All right. And if you look up the definition of it, right, you know, if I can sum up all the definitions, it seems like they're really talking about how data warehousing is really this system that aggregates the data from different sources into this single central point of view. Right. You know, uh, uh, a consistency, if you will, of all the data into uh, a, a middle location right, where you're able to do data analysis, you're able to do data mining, you can do artificial intelligence on it, you can do uh, machine learning on it, okay, you know, I like those buzzwords, but it's a, a ridiculous amount of data, right, we're talking about petabytes and petabytes and probably way more uh, than that when you get into the some, some of them huge companies, but I want to introduce you to someone that is very, very smart that's going to be on this podcast that is actually going to tell us a lot about how uh, data warehousing is really changing the future and the importance of it. So I want to introduce you all to Aaron Clymer. Aaron, say hello to everybody. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for the <laughs> intro. Can I yeah. call you Dapper? Is that? Yeah, yeah you can call me uh, Dapper Data or Bobby. The audience knows my, my first name, Bobby, with whatever you prefer, you know, but uh, Dapper Data, uh, and they know the history behind it. Um, so that. That's the name that's on the screen. I guess you can do that if you wanted to. <laughs> but no, so Aaron, thank you for being on the podcast. So everybody, Aaron is the founder and CEO of a company called Data Climber. That's right, Climber, just like the last name, a next-gen data and analytics consulting firm that empowers every client's success by unlocking the value of data. All right, Aaron has had uh, a lot of years in the, in the past dealing with uh, company uh, companies like Salesforce, right? So he's worked with Salesforce for seven years to support all data analytics needs. Uh, and, and matter of fact, the company I work for right now, NetApp, we're getting ready to transition to Salesforce. So I probably need your take on some of that as well and your background on that off camera, right? Uh, but but Aaron has an, a very interesting background. Thank you for being on the podcast. Tell them a little bit about yourself, Aaron. Well, first, I just got to say, uh, all of those topics are fascinating. I would love to talk about those as well, but, but we do we do want to talk about data warehousing. It's really it's really the precursor to everything you just said. So I just want to tie that in for sure. It's it's a requirement, I think, for everything um, you just said that kind of happens downstream of the data journey. But yeah, so my, my name is Aaron Clymer. Thanks again. Um, I uh, again founded Data Climber about six years ago. Uh, the vision it has and always has been and is still to be a full stack data engineering consulting firm who can help customers really understand their data strategy, specifically for cloud data warehousing um, and how to go about that, how to do best practices and design patterns in that space, and then how to actually implement something 
uh, get it done. And then, you know, finally take action on that data, because if you're not doing anything with that data, of course, there's no point in doing any of this, but, you know, utilizing that data to the maximum, right. To really drive the most value you possibly can. And the answer to doing that is to do everything you just said with the data, um, as well as just democratize it and get it to the hands of everybody at your company, um, sort of integrating data into their day-to-day -day lives, uh, into your business processes and into your operations. And that's kind of the, the, in the nutshell of what we do. No, thank you. Thank you for that. You know, and, uh, so at data climber, right. You know, um, I saw so many different services that, that's, that, that appeal to large and small companies out there. And it's amazing how you've been able to put all that together, right? The data strategy, the integrated teams, right? Um, being able to bring all these minds together, analytics uh, members in there as well. Uh, what is the, what do you say that the sole purpose of Data Climber is and how you all, if you could even give us an example, right? A use case of how you all have been able to help um, um, companies out with your products and services? Yeah, you know, we're, we're pure services. So we we absolutely want to be a trusted data advisor and we really help companies um, in a wide spectrum, you know, of, of uh, solutions. You know, the and one end, um, if your organization is just getting started, maybe knows you have to hire a data team someday and do this thing called data warehousing, but you haven't really figured out how to do it. Great, like, you know, we come in, help you figure that out, put a roadmap together and then implement it. Or, you know, you're already down that, that journey and you just need um, some extra help, right? So we'll come in and augment what you're doing, speed it up, go faster. Also health checks, all sorts of ways to make sure that things are going the direction they should be going. Um, so very wide spectrum, but you know, we are deep data experts, data warehousing experts specifically. And I say that because data warehousing, like you mentioned, it's a, it's a specific category of the broad world of data. Um, and so when I, when I say data warehousing, I'm really talking about you know, what you mentioned, which is having a formal place for all your data to land. You know, most mm -hmm. companies these days, and, and we do focus on small to medium-sized businesses um, with a couple exceptions, um, but any small to medium-sized business out there these days is often running, you're running your company off 20, 30, sometimes 75 plus SaaS applications, you know, mm -hmm. just to run your company. <laughs> Every single one of those is a little bit of a slice of what's going on in your company, right? The data in there is a little, is a little bit. So you want to bring all that together into one place tie it all together so you have a 360 degree view of your company or your product or your customer you know but that's the only the data warehouse these days is the only place where you can see it all and you, you know you see you can see your entire business so hugely valuable uh, because of the disparate nature of of data sources and the way companies are run these days um and uh and then tying that all together so you can then utilize that data right in all all the ways you just mentioned data science ai and classic uh, analytics dashboarding, you know, just understanding where you've been, but predictive mm -hmm. modeling, understanding where you're going to go, what's you know what the future brings, um, all that stuff is important. Uh, customer retention these days really important, right? And the, with some some of the economic headwinds we're seeing, well, the best way to retain customers is to really understand your customers and what they're how they're interacting with you in every channel. Um, and so, getting a, a full view of all that in a data set is is super super empowering. So to, to your uh, question about an example, I'll just give you one. Uh, we, we are in a lot of verticals. We work with a lot of companies. And the reason for that really is that under the covers data warehousing specifically and the design patterns of how you model data and how you 
prepare data for analytics and making it analytics friendly um, is kind of generic. I mean, we, the, those approaches apply in every industry, you know, every company really. It's more the, the difference is the kind of data that you're working with and the business questions you're trying to answer to some degree. But it's kind of generic. So we can play in a lot of spaces and we can take learnings and best practices from one area and apply it to a completely different industry. And that still works pretty well. But so one of the industries we've been successful in is actually the major league sports, sports and oh. entertainment. So we happen to have gotten, you know, early on, um, uh, we, we got into the San Francisco Giants as a client, helped them out with their whole cloud strategy and cloud data warehouse implementation. And to this day, they're still ecstatic about having made that choice and going that path. And we're helping a lot of other major league um, teams, both in you know, more recently in the NFL, including the NFL proper. So we're helping them um, figure out how to take the, all of these modern cloud solutions tie them together. I should say modern cloud vendors really tie those together into a solution mm -hmm. and understand how they can do all this themselves. Cause that's kind of the beauty of it is five, 10 years ago, most companies, you know, it's still very difficult to do this yourself. And so it was a lot easier to outsource it to a, like a customer data platform or a managed service where they're really managing all the technology and managing all the, the engineering, you know, kind of behind the scenes and just providing a, a platform for you. And Eventually, those platforms always have big challenges in scale, in helping you do whatever you want to do, flexibility, you know, customization, um, moving as fast as your business is moving. You know, they don't they don't do very well because they're, tr they're trying to be generic and try to apply, you know, a lot of customers onto one platform. Whereas if you own your own environment, you own your own destiny, you can do whatever you want, right? You can move as fast or as slow as you need to. Um, the trick is just understanding the technology. But the tech has become so easy to use and so mm -hmm. easy to implement that it's now a viable way to go. So with all of these NFL teams, um, the Las Vegas Raiders is a big one we've worked with for the last couple of years. We took them from a platform that really handled everything for them to a platform they own. So now they own and run their entire data platform in the cloud and they love the flexibility, right? It gives them the flexibility to, you know, next week, if the leadership team wants a different approach to um, bringing in, let's say, a new data source and answering a, a new big business question that's important, you know, they can do that quickly. They don't have to wait months and months for a third-party managed service solution to, you know, sort of be able to customize their solution and get new data in and actually give them an answer. Man, man. So a, a part of that is a, a part of Data Climbers actually educating the, uh, the, the staff there to be able to handle it on their own. I'm assuming that has to be in place. Would I be correct in saying that? Yes, exactly. Exactly. We will often come in as a, what we call an instant data team. And, you know, next week you can have a full data team, you know, from oh, nice. you can have a project manager, you can have engineers, you can have um, a solution architect, strategist, the whole thing. And we will you know, train and teach uh, our customers how to, how to do this themselves over time and eventually hire their own team or what have you. Um, so yeah, that's absolutely part of, of what we want to do and then be a long-term partner at the same time. I mean, we value long-term partnerships and, and relationships because we know that this job never ends and there's always a new challenge. And so we want to be there because we can, we can be there and really help expedite the next big challenge, you know, data challenge in the system. Right. Right. So does it stop at, uh, I guess you have the strategy portion of building the team you have, uh, maybe if you are just starting out a data warehouse, right. You know, like you mentioned before, you have that, uh, you have, uh, the ability to augment 
of what you're currently doing, if they already have a data warehouse in there, does it, uh, do you take it as far as even helping the customer develop those actionable insights as well? Or is it more of just, hey, once it's in that location, then maybe bring in another team for something like that? Yeah, we absolutely do that. We, we do okay. um, we have industry experience. And so we, we know um, how to address some of the major business questions that are typical in a specific industry. Absolutely. First step is that for sure is to build and model data. But yes, then we will sit side by side often with our clients and help them um, do that analytics. You know, the, the more uh, the deeper and deeper you get into more complicated business questions you're trying to answer. You know, obviously being in the business is critical. You have to really understand that exactly. So we're not going to do it in a, in a vacuum or in a bubble. We're always going to partner with our clients to do that. But, but yes, we've, we've absolutely helped out in, in a lot of ways. Um, and it's usually a combination actually of, of some technical and some um, business outcomes. So I'll give you an example, like one, one client, one high tech client we had, uh, had a, a, a customer churn issue, but they weren't really sure if they were measuring, even measuring churn correctly. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, and how do they really get a hold on what truly is happening with churn? They were a fast growing high tech company. Um, and they were, uh, catering to small businesses that were actually charging their credit card on a monthly basis. They had a monthly subscription model with, you know, tens of, well, thousands of clients, I should say. And so you needed data to answer this question. You couldn't manually go figure it out. And so we said, well, Yes, we have a lot of experience measuring churn. Let's talk through what churn means to you. Um, just because a credit card balances does not mean a customer's churned, right? Hey, let's give them an extra 30 days to clear that credit card to actually get that charge to go through, get the payment to go through. Let's call it 60 days. After 60 days, no payment. Okay, then you, you, know, let's, you have a churned customer. Um, mm -hmm. Now we got to build, now we understand the business uh, parameters of how you'd measure that. Now we can build a data model that would easily answer that question. And in fact, what we did is we built a data model that snapshotted the state of the world every day for all of time. So you could see how churn has trended day to day, you know, or week mm -hmm. to week and really see the trends and see if you're really making progress one way or another. So it's a great example of like blending. There's a little bit of data engineering work you wanted to do to make that easy, but you had mm -hmm. to understand the business problem really clearly to, to make that happen. And then the, the, the full value is there once you do it. Yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, you know, when you when you get into the actual business itself and make taking actionable insights, then uh, you need to really understand you have to be the domain expert. Right. <laughs> so you need to partner with them to be able to come up with that final decision. So so something interesting, right, going back to some of those use cases you mentioned, uh, I know you mentioned cloud at, at some point and and with that. Right. You know, I. If you are a vendor out there right now, I mean, they're trying everything they can, right? You know, even including um, that app, right? Who I work for, love them to death. <laughs> but, you know, you try everything you can, right? You know, Oracle, Hitachi, EMC, all those vendors, they're like, man, look, just please, please just have your stuff on prem for us, you know, because they want to sell the hardware, right? You know, the hardware is bringing the money. Uh, but, it's almost inevitable. You had you cannot fight it, or right? you cannot fight the cloud. Uh, and and so now you're bringing an interesting point. At one point, right, we're we're the vendors, and 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 the likes are trying to uh, create this on-premise, on-prem uh, data warehouse, right? You know, you have the object stores that they're building, right? They're like, look, everybody comes. This is the central location you should be. 
But then you have the cloud ones, right? Amazon already has it, Azure, Google Cloud. They're like, look, you know, come into our environment, right? There's benefits. There has to be crazy amount of benefits there. Why should you run a business off of a cloud data warehouse versus on-prem? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I, there's a couple things I'd say there. First of all, um, just efficiency, uh, you know, cost reduction, um, efficiency of the cloud is is amazing. Um, the usage-based pricing a lot of vendors have. Uh, so we work with Snowflake a lot, for instance. They're a, a leading cloud data warehouse vendor. Um, they'll they'll charge you based on usage. And so if you're a small company, you're not using it that much. You're, you know, your bill is small, but you're getting enterprise features. Um, if you're a larger company using it more, great, you pay for the value. Um, but that way it's kind of democratizing the, the feature set of, of the, the cloud. Um, on top of that, um, I'd say two more things. Ease of use is incredibly mm -hmm. different for these modern cloud systems. Just so much easier to navigate, use, get around. Um, so you, you know, it's it's becoming it's to the point where analysts or you know somewhat technical people can actually do what what much more technical people used to have to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so there's the ease of use is is really amazing, especially in the end user tools as well, the business intelligence tools. Uh, um, so you know the 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 ease of uh, getting around your data and asking questions ad hoc for a, in a business user is now very easy to do rather than being technical or having to know something like SQL. Um, and then the final thing is there are features and it kind of gets back to the efficiencies that just don't exist on prem. And this is this is why the the overwhelming um, benefits of going to the cloud are already clear, I think, to a lot of companies. Um, I'll give you one example. Uh, with Snowflake specifically, there's a feature called data sharing, which allows two different companies, uh, let's say your partners, you know, one, one example would be two partner companies who want to share data. Another mm -hmm. example would be even a larger company who has two business units that have two different instances of Snowflake and they want to share data. Um, instead of moving that data from one data warehouse to another, like you, like everybody on the planet does these days, when they have to share data with each other, they'll send a file, right? Or they'll create an API and they'll, they'll create a data pipeline that will get data from point A to point B. Right. With data sharing, you can kind of just flip a switch and that those set of tables just show up in your in the other data warehouse instantly. Oh, man. And like you don't a temporary thing. Yeah. Probably show up, you can't manipulate it, but just they're just there for viewing, right? It's just yeah, normally you wouldn't write to it, but it's all read, but you can read man. it and then you can join it to your data with SQL as if it was all in the same data warehouse. And you don't even you know the end users sometimes don't even know it's not even in your warehouse. Well, that's because data in the cloud is all logical at the end of the day. The cloud mm -hmm. is just a big logic thing. So why not join it in those ways? And, you know, it vastly improves. I mean, I think about it. You Now you have instant up-to-date data. There's no out-of-date data. It's all up-to-date because it's exactly mm -hmm. the way it's, it's not, it hasn't moved. It's still at its source. Mm -hmm. um, and you can, uh, you can monitor usage and all sorts of great stuff around how it's being used. Uh, there's a lot, there's tons of security around it. You know, you get all these other benefits of the cloud, like security, governance um that that again is, is you know is 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 uh, really important um so but those are the kind of features that you just can't get on prem um and so I, I see more and more of that stuff happening um that's gonna just drive the 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 reasons to go to the cloud are going to be so overwhelmingly obvious that um, um we'll all be in the cloud eventually yeah i definitely agree you know it's like uh yeah if you can't beat them join them right you know more <laughs> of the vendors are probably just 
uh, start to create more applications that uh, can be in those marketplaces, right? You know, to bring value and to to be able to continue to fund on a on a on a similar basis to their uh, or on a similar scale as uh, what their hardware is bringing in as far as revenue at the time. You know, that transition if they if they get ahead of it, right? You know, they well they could get ahead of it because everybody's still in the process of doing it. You know, but if you wait too long, then now you're having a ridiculous amount of competing marketplace applications that are going to be in there uh at, you know and and they're probably already getting there uh to that point you know uh, i i look at i would say i i really love the cloud because of the uh, automatic scalability that's there right you know i mean i can instantaneously right if i need more resources it just it just does it on its own right you know if it's on prem you know i have say an object store and i and I have the hard, the physical storage there, and I'm running out. I have to set my thresholds at a certain point, which you can do in a cloud too. But now I have to set it, and then you have to worry about the the uh, purchase cycle, right? To purchase a new dish shelf that comes in, just so you can bring it in really quick, and you can hurry up and uh, you know make sure it's there before you run out. Uh, so you can add as much data as you want, as fast as you want in the cloud, and then as soon as it hits that threshold, it's just voila, right? You know. Look at Google Storage, right? For us right now, we're just able to just you know, purchase more storage and just comes up, right? <laughs> you know, so yeah. now you, you nailed know. it. I mean, I I went through decades of all of those headaches of scaling and scoping, scoping to capacity, and then there's concurrency and all of these issues with <laughs> legacy systems like that. And I that's been a breath of fresh air, really, to not have to think about that stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. That's another thing I love about working in these cloud systems. You focus on the business, the yeah. business questions you need you know like you said infinite scalability so um you, you know you can it does yeah and it happens automatically it just spins up um there's just so many cool things like the the fact that it's it's automatic but you can also purposely speed things up if you need to and you can do it very easily you can do it through a ui or you can do it programmatically mm -hmm. but like let's just as an example let's say you have a data job that takes an hour and it mm -hmm. runs you know every four hours whatever and you know all of a sudden executive leadership says, or for what our customers demand or whatever the reason is, they say, no, we need that done in that thing to run in five minutes or 20 minutes, whatever. Yeah. We need to cut, cut that by 50% or more. Well, you can just flip a switch and you can actually yeah. do it programmatically in your, in your code. You can say, okay, now we're going to run this job. Let's jack up the CPUs by a hundred percent and, and just do it and then jack it back down. You know, <laughs> you can yeah. control these things. Um, and it's just a one line of code. You know, it's very yeah. easy. Right, right. We better stop before I lose my job. Man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. No. So uh, I want to take a step back, right? There's there are many roles that are out there that that, that are around data, right? You have data engineers, you have uh, I guess uh, data scientists, you have data analysts, you have um, you just have you know maybe CEO of data data office chief data officer out there, right? Uh, are do you believe all these roles are needed and how can you become a data hero at your organization and in any one of these roles? Or one more question, if if I if I wanted to become a data hero, should I become one of these roles so I can be that person? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now, you know, the the one idea is that so first of all, I'd say yes. I mean all of these roles are, are required. Um, data is still uh, a difficult beast to, you know, to tame in a way. If you don't have 
governance, if you don't have a strategy around it, you, you kind of, you get wild west and that's almost worse than having no data. Um, you know, <laughs> if it's just out there and there's no governance and people are doing whatever they want, everybody has a different number. They're getting, you know, different results. Sales and marketing can't agree on anything that's actually happening in the company. It, it can be really bad. And you've got 5,000 versions of a dashboard or whatever it is. So you, you need, um, you need a team that is, is governing that as well as the, the, the data ingestion and the, the modeling, all that's really important. So that's why I think data warehousing is so it, it's, it's such a critical step in everything else you said, like to, to do anything else, to do all your data science and your AI and your ML, you really need clean, good data to start with, right? Otherwise mm -hmm. it's garbage in, garbage out. You don't want to spend all this time building a model that actually doesn't do anything for you because your data is dirty. Um, yeah. So there's a huge amount of value to a, a team that knows what they're doing, coming in, bringing in the data, making sure it's trusted, absolutely, mm -hmm. you know, ensuring it's up-to-date, trusted, you know, tested as much as possible, cleaned, and then um, transformed into a way that then is user-friendly user or analytical-friendly or AI-friendly, data science-friendly, right? All of that, and then downstream is fed into the business um, for all of these purposes. Um, so, so you need roles to do that. You need data engineers, you need analytical engineers and, and so forth, and all the way up. And I think that um, data data leaders, essentially managers within the data um, for the data in your company, um, mm -hmm. should probably be aligned with like the growth team. Um, you know, somewhere where you're, you're really focusing on what are you going to use this data for the most? You know, how is the data going to be leveraged the most? If you're a growing company in growth and you have a chief growth officer, for instance, data might roll up into to that person. Um, but it just kind of depends on where, what your company's strategy is and what the priorities are. But yes, I think data in itself is such a big important thing and it's getting even more important. Um, so, so the data warehouse is moving from classically being a backward looking analytical environment for just analyzing what's happened and figuring out where we are now um, to running your business off the data warehouse. It's becoming much more of an operational uh, central key um, platform. So just for example, again, back to that idea, if you have 30 SaaS apps running your company, there's only one place you have a full view of your customer that's in your data warehouse. Well, that full view and most up-to-date view is probably very important to act on right now through your marketing mm -hmm. applications, through your CRM, through everything. So you want to bring that data back out into those, those systems, you know, the data that those systems did not have otherwise. And so there's actually an outflow of data going back out to all these systems these days, meaning your data warehouse is now running, you know, your, your, your operations running. Your oh. Yeah. I mean, no, that's interesting because now uh, that goes back to what you were, what we talked about a little early, earlier, how the data warehouses is, is the operational piece, right? You know, they're, they're now being the ones to, that's, that's what's driving it. Um, it's almost like that federated learning model, you know, where you're dumbing everything into the central location. And that is the sort of decision maker for everything. And if you think about it, like you mentioned before, when we were in these silos, Right of different organizations, you know, we had all these different separated uh, decisions happening, um, and and you probably was driving in about 100 different directions and didn't even know it. But now you probably can drive in one direction by following uh, what's coming out of that that uh, that 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 data warehouse itself. Yeah, that's exactly right. And to be the the hero we were talking about. You can anybody in the company can be the data hero because the technologies have become so so easy to use in a way. So you you know if you as long as you are a champion of using data, 
Um, there's a lot you can do now. You can get things done quickly. Again, with the cloud, you can bring in new data sources very quickly, very easily. Often with a click of the button, you don't even have to be technical to bring in a data source. Often you'll use something like Fivetran, which has custom or pre-built connectors for most major systems. Click a button and start feeding that data into your to your warehouse. And then you use a BI tool like Sigma Computing. We, we use a lot, which has a spreadsheet interface, very easy to understand for an end user. You can then mm -hmm. start exploring that data right away. So you can be a data hero without being having data in your title, uh, you know, mm -hmm. being part of that data team we just talked about or being part of IT. Um, that's the beauty of, I think, where we are now with cloud is that um, anybody can be a data hero in their company um, by just more having the vision of how to use the data. Because if you know how you're going to use it, you can definitely get it and start using it. That's a great point, you know, and it, it, it makes me think um, how we overlook that every role in the company is a part of that, you know. Like you said, not just a data scientist, analyst, engineer, right? Just because you have data in your name, then you assume that you're a part of that, uh, the, the entire data process, but that's not the case. I mean, initially when somebody is putting in an Excel spreadsheet, right? And they're just maybe an admin or something. And that's a part of the data message ultimately. But if you're sending in some data that's not clean, right? With all these white spaces in it and all funky looking and stuff, you know, and you're just sending in bad data. Ultimately that combined with maybe 100 other different data sources, you know, could cause uh, a bad data. So you're, uh, you have to be a good data steward, regardless if you're in the organization, then, I mean, based off of what you're talking about, that is all a part of how to make that data warehouse clean. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, everybody has a part in it. And the more, the, the nice thing is the more people that use the data, you know, the more feedback the data team gets and the quickly it feeds off itself, the data gets cleaner and cleaner, better and better, more valuable. So more yeah. people that use it equals more value to your data. And when you say data governance, are you, uh, as far as governance for that, maybe the, uh, the data warehouse, are you talking about prior to it or even just, or all around, even the data warehouse itself or prior to the data? Uh, going in, you know, uh, at which part would it matter or does it matter all around? Yeah, it's a big term and it does apply to the entire spectrum of the data from the source and how it's even entered and uh, managed all the way through the pipelines, of the data warehouse. Typically in data warehousing, um, when I say governance, um, I'm referring to the fact that you have data that's already been tested and trusted and cleaned and, mm. and is Trustworthy is the, is the main thing. If you lose trust in your data, the data projects will die fast and people will stop using it really fast, right? So you got to maintain trust. As with relationships, once you've lost trust, it's really hard to build it back up. So um, <laughs> you got to you have trustworthy data. And so um, ultimately you want people to, like even with a KPI, you want the definition of a KPI to be ideally locked down somewhere the data team manages so that people aren't changing the definition of how you measure something, right? They just, right. they're just using it. So everybody should be able to um, analyze how a KPI is affected by this or that. You know, if you're looking at sales, you know, conversion rates, you want the definition of conversion to be locked and governed, mm -hmm. but you want everybody to be able to like analyze that and say, Hey, why are, why are conversion rates up for this product or in this region or for, you know, uh, let's go figure that out together but the definition of conversion should be governed. So it's more about governing the, the, the data itself and the KPIs and the metrics um, and making sure that those are locked down. Yeah, great point. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's funny because I actually 
came across this when analyzing some of the data within um, a company. It was years ago, and uh, just something as simple as uh, one one organization, one part of the company uh, used uh, customer ID, right? Like just spelled out customer ID. And I thought it was different from this other part of the company who used user ID instead of customer ID, but it was literally like the same thing and they should have called it the same thing. So it kind of, it messed us up. <laughs> it was something that simple, right? <laughs> That's a great example in a data warehouse that would all be brought together and called one thing. Yeah. So no, no confusion, right? So yes, yeah. those little yeah. things make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so um we're coming close to the end i i um i really appreciate you being on the podcast aaron you have been an excellent 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 uh guest um usually i like to end with what i call a dope nugget or gem at the end of the podcast and and what i've learned so far is that you know all roles play a part in cleaning your data right in and out right from ingestion uh from a person that could be an admin a person that could be in any other role uh, that domain expert uh, of the of that specific part within the company, they play a big role all the way to the data scientist, the visualization expert, you know, all the way to the uh, the CEO is probably looking at the visualization and actually uh, um, uh, talking about it, you know, and and how important cloud data warehousing is, right? For the audience out there, we we I don't think we've had a a topic right now that dealt with data warehousing specifically, and so. They're probably going to be super excited about this and understanding how it helps with cost reduction, usage-based efficiency, as you mentioned before. Uh, it's very important to understand that uh, cloud data warehousing is, is, is the future, right? You know, And um, I know you talked a lot about, about that and how it's really the decision maker or the driver. Uh, and I thought that that was an amazing way to put it. Uh, is there anything that you want to leave the audience with? Uh, just be wary when you see user ID and customer ID and, <laughs> and make sure that they're the same. <laughs> Not really, like, that ties it in. That's exactly the problem. Yeah, yeah, man. It, it's, it's really, uh, it blew my mind. I, I thought it was two different things at one point, you know. But, uh, but yeah, so thank you, Aaron. I really appreciate it. Now we're going to jump right into this game, this really quick game that I like to play. It's called Overrated, Underrated. And the audience knows I love to play this game because it gets us out of our typical, uh, I guess, uh, geeky mentality, right? You know, we are not always geeking it out. We do have fun. We enjoy ourselves, you know. Out of the 24 hours, we probably spend about one hour actually doing some fun stuff. But, you know, we, we do it. You know, we do think about uh, things like uh, milk, right? We do think about, we have an opinion about cereal, right? You know, we were asked about it. So we have an opinion about brunch. I love brunch. You know, I love going out brunch on Sunday. So we have an opinion about that. Uh, I'm just not always in front of the computer all the time. So uh, yeah, so I, I basically asked you a series of topics, right? I'll throw them out there and you get to decide whether you think it is overrated, underrated, or right where it needs to, needs to be. You can elaborate if you want. If not, you can keep moving. Sounds Ready good. to go? Yeah. All right. Camping. Oh, that is underrated. I think that getting out there in nature is one of the most important things you can do. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I've been camping probably, uh, I guess I, I can count it uh, when I was in Boy Scouts, but I, I probably did it another time. I remember, I think when I got a little bit older, when I was in my uh, early 30s at one point, and 
um, it was a great experience. You know, I, I definitely wish I can get out there and do it again, especially like real camping where you, you know, remove all the technology away and you're just out there, you know, with the, uh, the outdoors. So yeah, I, I can agree with that. Especially if there's places with no cell signal, that's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you own a business and things like that, right. You know, you want to be able to get away at some point. All right. So the Minnesota Vikings. Oh man, super underrated. <laughs> uh, he's from Minnesota, right? Oh, he's he lives there. I don't know if you're from uh, Minnesota, but he yeah. he lives there now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I I think they're, they're finally, doing a great job this year. They're finally where they're where they ought to be, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Kirk Cousins, man. What's that statement he makes all the time? Where where they like to repeat it again after <laughs> all the time? Or he's always yelling. I forgot it. You know. All right, jazz music. A jazz music. Oh, that that feels very underrated too. I mean, I don't know. I I, I love going to jazz when I can, but it's so I, I find it, I don't know, hard to find when I'm traveling around, or it takes more time to find it. You know, find a good jazz club. And mm -hmm. but I, yeah, it's I, that's a really good question. I think that's underrated yeah. as well. Yeah. Whether anything is really relaxing. What's the question? Is anything that's oh, any do you think it's really relaxing? Sorry. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. a great way to. Yeah, it's. Yeah, very enjoyable, very relaxing, totally smooths out your evening. <laughs> All right. The printer. The printer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's probably right where it should be, where people rarely even remember they have a printer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking uh, to a, a guest uh, a while ago about a printer and uh and and for me, I'm always having an issue with the printer for some reason. You know, as technical as I am. You know, it's it's that's one thing that will make me feel like I've never touched technology before. You know, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's why I think thank God for like cloud documents. So it's just I know, man. <laughs> exactly. All right, ice cream. Oh, that's definitely underrated. You can't get enough ice cream. You can't get enough ice cream, man. That's no. my favorite no. dessert right there. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, what's your favorite ice cream? Oh, uh, fish food. Fish food? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm butter pecan. Oh. Butter pecan. I can't Classic. handle like those kind of flavors in ice cream. Oh, I don't, really? I don't like like peanut butter is a great, is one of those things where it needs to be pure and not in a mm -hmm. dessert to me. Like I just like, I'll eat oh. peanut butter, but I won't eat peanut butter ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coffee. You just coffee's coffee. Just drink coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, can't yeah. handle my dessert. <laughs> All right. Uh, the uh, pizza. Pizza. Well, that's probably where about where it should be. I mean, mm -hmm. who doesn't like pizza? I know. <laughs> I know. So popular. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two, uh, three more. Lakes. Oh, lakes. I've definitely underrated. I mean, yeah. Minnesota has it, like the land of ten thousand lakes, right? As they said. That's it's like <laughs> one of the things I love about Minnesota. One of the best things about Minnesota: the lakes in the summer. Absolutely, got to get out on the water as much as possible. That's another. It's almost like camping. It's like you connect with nature. It feels great. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to too many lakes, uh, but but I I can imagine how. Um, well, too many known lakes. I guess I can imagine how uh, how how peaceful it is. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, out there. Uh, For me too. I was gonna say I actually grew up in the desert. So when you grow up in the desert, you oh. value water even more, right? You, like a lake is incredible. So. <laughs> oh man, where'd you grow up at? I love it. Uh, in Texas, West Texas. Oh, Texas. Oh man. Okay, okay. 
All right, uh, two more. The Vodka Gimlet. Did I say it right? Yes. <laughs> Super underrated. That's the best drink on the planet. Yeah. Well, would you would you compare it to something? Uh, what would you compare it to as far as another drink that is more uh, popular or more known? Because I, I've never tasted vodka gimlet before. I've never been a big vodka person. It's just lime lime juice. Classically, a, a gimlet is gin and um, lime juice and a little sweetener. So think of a, oh. you know, it's almost like a margarita, right? But with uh, with vodka in this case. So yeah. I, like, I like vodka because it's smooth. So it's a mm -hmm. super simple drink, but yet it's amazing how hard it is to find a really good uh, you know, a bartender who can make a really good uh, gimlet. So it's just that right balance of tartness of the lime and the sweetness of the the simple syrup. Yeah, it does seem like it has to be like a perfect balance. Um, all right, last one, social media. Social media, oh man. I think that's <laughs> so, uh, so overrated in so many ways in so many places. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> I wish we had more uh, human to human contact. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Aaron, thank you. I appreciate you being on the podcast audience. You have listened to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. We have learned a lot. Definitely tune in. Aaron, where can they reach you at? And is there anything that you're promoting right now? Yeah, you can find us at our, at our website's the best place, so dataclimber.com. That's D-A-T-A. -A, and then my last name is spelled C-L-Y-M-E-R. Com. I used my last name because the domain was available and it made a lot of sense and we had a lot of great uh, yeah, uh, stories about that. So, um, and we climb, we, we climb data, you know, our tagline is an, are you on top of your data? And it's, it's true. Mm -hmm. You got to climb up to the top of your data and get on top of it. So yeah, you can find us there. Um, we've got a lot of stuff going on. Um, yeah. Just check out the website and you'll, and if you want to contact me directly there, you can as well. All right, great. Well, thank you, Aaron. Audience, you can reach me at Mr. Dapper Data or any one of the social media platforms. As you know, uh, definitely check out my uh, link in the bio. Um, definitely check out my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com forward slash Dapper Data and subscribe to it, please. Uh, thank you again, Aaron. And audience, I'll check you out next week. Peace. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Data is My Science podcast, the show that makes data your passion with your host, Dapper Data.